DJ Tens of thousands on my right, thousands by my side War between good and evil, watching our fists collide Battle for our freedom now, to the streets we ride Flags waving all around, pages full of pride This is where we make a stand, no more give or take They want to use violence on Americans We want freedom We want peace We want freedom We want peace We want freedom We want peace Enough with tyranny We come to take our country back For all citizens White, red, brown, or black Return it to a form of glory Fix the bloody crack On the crown Fetch it down It's going down She warned me that this day would come I'm like my father, go to combat with the blazing guns I survived that, then I came back, took the place I'm from To face off all these haters and the battle in the place I love You can't break me down, I'm indivisible You still see my raps if I was invisible That pepper spray tastes like chicken All right, America. Well, I'm here to kick off a happy, healthy, and patriotic 2023 because as Americans, we have the freaking right to do so. And I want to tell you now, I have a special guest coming on that many of you may know that is going to put forth a scenario on how we can bring back our country in, yes, a very unconventional way, but it very well could work. You're going to have to listen, decide for yourself, do a little bit of digging, but we only have a few days because on January 3rd, the House, the Congress, the House of Representatives are going to decide who the next Speaker of the House is, and the Speaker of the House is a very, very powerful seat. So I'm going to bring forth Ivan Raiklin who is an absolute warrior for truth and has a lot of experience and time speaking up for our nation. But without further ado, I'm not going to delay any longer because this needs to be heard and we are running out of time. So, enjoy. All right, everybody, I am here with a, an American hero and an American warrior for our country, retired Lieutenant Colonel Ivan Raiklin. He has put forth a scenario, as many of you have heard, of a Speaker Trump, House, Speaker of the House. And as mm-hmm. we know, we focus here mainly on January 6th, inmates, defendants, and their families. And a Speaker Trump will have a huge, huge impact on their lifestyle and their uh, in their cases. Uh, for our audience, Ivan, first of all, we are honored to have you here. Uh, for those that are not in the Cool Kids Club to know exactly who you are, give us a quick little background on who you are, what you've been doing, and uh, what you're currently involved with. Yeah, so up until 2020, or I should say, 
Uh, last quarter of a century, I just retired August 30th uh, from the reserves, but collectively I spent a quarter of a century working as a Green Beret intelligence officer countering ISIS, Taliban, MS-13, Russian aggression. So basically across five continents and five languages. And then when I wasn't on active duty, I was, uh, I became a constitutional lawyer. When was that? 2005. And then you know, I've been doing some different things as it relates to the law, specifically national security and constitutional law. But I would say that you know, I kind of ended my career, if you will, in the national security ecosystem. Uh, one, as a contractor teaching intelligence analysis, national security, our system, uh, multinational operations, critical thinking, and what have you. And then in the reserve capacity, I finished up after spending time as a commander in, in, this, in the Green Berets detachment company level. Uh, I finished up my last three years as a reservist technology scout uh, focused on companies in the Silicon Valley area that are working AI and mixed reality and are interested in potentially selling their capability to the army and then the broader national security ecosystem. So based on all that collective experience, you can kind of gather what perspective uh, I look at problems. Uh, basically, you know, having the understanding strategically to then come up with the plan to operationalize and then execute it tactically and all the components to it. And then I took to you know, observing the illegally certified 2020 election and took all those skills together and then my private time off duty, my personal capacity, instead of watching, you know, movies all day long, I figured, you know what, I'd probably be better put to use to remedy the constitutional crisis. And then that resulted in identifying the bad actors by name, date, place, uh, transgression, and then doing a link analysis, if you will, of all the bad actors. And as I did that, lo and behold, we come up with all these bad actors at the national level, all the way down to the you know, states, counties, precinct level uh, that were complicit in violating the Constitution and then illegally certifying the election. So fast forward from November 2020 after I published the Pence card memo that was retweeted that by President Trump, the, J, the Mike Pence J6 cover-up committee was created to investigate. They accused me, rightfully so, that my legal argument and theory which has not yet been debunked, uh, but to them it was wrong think and say they wanted to kind of sweep it under the rug and lay all blame on President Trump for their illegal, seditious conspiracy at the federal level to certify the illegally conducted and certified election by, again, the precincts, counties, states, Mike Pence, Liz, uh, excuse me, Mike Pence, Nancy Pelosi, Kevin McCarthy, Chuck Schumer, and Mitch McConnell. Those five individuals uh, need to be charged with seditious conspiracy for their acts, for their inaction, but more specifically their actions that they took on January 6th. And hopefully we'll have a, a chance to dive into what that looks like and why we cannot have Kevin McCarthy as the Speaker of the House since he was one of those seditious conspirators on January 6th. So I would assume that you've had a, an interest, excuse me, an interest in uh paying attention to the Lloyd Brunson versus Alma Adam et al. case going in front of the Supreme Court and conference on January 6th, correct? Uh, I have not read the case. Uh, you know, it's crossed my radar because everybody's talking about it. 
Uh, I kind of glanced at it, and, and bottom line is essentially, uh, like my path on identifying the problem and then uh, identifying an unconventional path to remedy it has not been in the legal system, the, the traditional legal system, meaning the judicial the judiciary or the Article Three branch of government, right? I leave that to others because there's plenty of folks that do that. I try to fix the issue and the problem through the unconventional means, which really it's the court of public opinion applying the necessary requisite pressure on the actors constitutionally that can actually remedy strategically our problem. And that is the people applying pressure to the state legislatures as well as the U.S. Congress. Okay. Now, I get it. I think their primary argument is similar to what I had argued with the Pence card and then was subsequently taken up by, uh, was it John Eastman, to go ahead and try to fix the situation. And then, I, don't get me wrong, I'm happy they're working on it. But uh, uh, it, it, I get it. It's a long shot. Somebody's got to do it. I'm glad they're working it. Uh, but that's not my line of effort. I'm not going to get in the way of it. I support it ideologically. I just haven't gotten involved on that front because no one else is working the problem uh, in the manner that I am. Uh, so like, we need all hands on deck, all lines of effort to apply maximum pressure against the commies to, so that we can crush them. Absolutely. The voice of the people have power, and that's why they are constantly trying to silence us. So give us a quick breakdown of the, the scenario um, that you're putting forth. Yeah, so the, the there's really two major components. I'm going to talk. The first major component is why Kevin McCarthy must not be Speaker of the House. And uh, that's the first step. And then the last step of, of phase one, if you will, is he actually needs to be criminally referred, referred prosecuted and convicted for what I'm going to explain. Number two. Uh, so then once that occurs, who do we need as speaker? And that's when I'm going to make my case on why President Trump is hands down the only person in the country that can do what needs to be done uh, to fix our constitutional crisis. And I'm going to make that argument on the second phase of that. So phase one, why Kevin McCarthy must not be the Speaker of the House. I kind of teed it up, but let's go back to January 6th of 2021. If you actually go back to the C-SPAN footage and see how the procedure of the certification went, Nancy Pelosi kicks things off, gavels in, and if you read the 150-page report by the, it's the pre-buttle by the Republicans, Jim Jordan, Jim Banks, and the others about uh, their perspective of what happened on January 6th, and then you match that up with the Mike Pence J6 cover-up committee as published by his running mate for 2024, a gal by the name of Lizzie Cheney, uh, putting those two things together, coupled with C-SPAN and the the collective investigations that have been going on with the J6 community, it's very telling. But the video evidence shows that Nancy Pelosi gavels in and she says at the advice of the sergeants at arms and the medical officer, she and the leadership, meaning Kevin McCarthy, Mitch McConnell, and Chuck Schumer, in the both House and Senate chambers agreed to only allow 11 members of the Democrat Republicans in the House and 11 members each of the Democrats and Republicans from the Senate to participate on the floor of the House 
in the joint session. Now, what does that translate into? That translates into 22 members in the House and 22 members in the Senate, total of 44 people. When we look at the U.S. Constitution and review it to see if there's any stipulations on how to conduct a joint session, the only place that indicates that is the 12th Amendment. And in the 12th Amendment, it specifically states, and since I have it right here in front of me, the actual language of the 12th Amendment, I'm going to go ahead and read the relevant part. And it states, a quorum for the joint session. For the House to have a quorum in the joint session, a quorum for this purpose shall consist of a member or members from two-thirds of the states, and a majority of all the states shall be necessary to a choice. Meaning, two-thirds of the states, there's 50 states, two-thirds of states is 34, right? Because 33 is 66%, 34 is 68%, get it? So then you need a minimum of one person representing at least 34 states for the quorum to be sufficient for that joint session. 22 doesn't meet that threshold, even if each one of those 22, 11 Democrats and 11 Republicans, are representing a different state each. You follow me so far? Absolutely. Next, for the Senate to, to have a quorum, it states... A quorum for the purpose shall consist of two-thirds of the whole number of senators, and a majority of the whole number shall be necessary to a choice. Again, a quorum for the purpose shall consist of two-thirds of the whole number of senators, and then a majority. What is two-thirds of a whole number of senators? If there's 100 senators, that means 67, and then a majority of the whole number shall be necessary what does that mean so for the first instance in the house you need 34 but you need 26 of those 34 to right and especially on the contingent election side to be able to vote according now for the senate forum you got to have 67 and then you have to have 51 for a decision uh, you know i argue on the objections or on the contingent election so 22 does not meet the 67. So what does that mean? That means when Nancy Pelosi gaveled in in an agreement with the leadership and then when Mikey Pence as the presiding officer acquiesced to that proposal by the leadership of the House and the Senate, even though a member of the Congress stood up and said, point of order, Mr. Vice President, how are we supposed to participate if we're not even on, allowed on the floor. And he said, ah, oh, that constitutes debate and that's not allowed. And so over 90% of Congress was not allowed to participate in the joint session. Thus, violation of the 12th Amendment, seditious conspiracy on those five individuals. What are your questions so far? I'm curious as to how that would affect the uh, 1512C2 charge that a lot of J6ers are facing with it being the obstruction of an official proceeding, because if they didn't have enough members for quorum, then it would not be an official proceeding for them to be charged with. That is a very good argument because the obstruction charge must be laid on those five and not on those that were trying to ensure that it was done properly such as the J6 defendants. So 
since we're on that note, so based on what I just explained, those five individuals, to include particularly Kevin McCarthy, by the way, I've written a Substack series, 13-part Substack series, and a final summary of it, which I just published earlier today, a couple hours ago, which the last one is titled Unfit, an open source investigation of Kevin McCarthy's fitness to become Speaker of the House by me. And then it shows there the adjudicative guidelines that he fails. There's 13 of them, thus the 13 parts. What constitutes uh, moderate risk, high risk, and then limited uh, or no evidence to support uh, a risk level. And then by the end of it, I basically say he does not deserve or his clearance should be denied and thus not becoming Speaker of the House. But even more importantly, he needs to have criminal referrals laid on him with obstruction of an official proceeding, right? 18 USC 1512 C2, I think you mentioned. Also, 18 USC 371, conspiracy to defraud the United States. Number three, conspiracy to make a false statement because guess what? That leads into the next thing. He, at what point did he know that his two members of a Republican conference, Lizzie Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, at what point did he know that Ray Epps was the one that conducted the outer breach of the Capitol? And so that that goes into insight, assist, or aid or comfort an insurrectionist, meaning Ray Epps, right? And then we go into all, also the seditious conspiracy component, or at least an accessory thereof. And then misprision of treason. So it basically is, you know, whoever owing allegiance to the U.S. conceals and does not, as soon as may be, may be, disclose and make known the same to the president or to some judge of the United States or to the governor uh, or to some judge or justice of a particular state is guilty of misprision of treason. So when that entire committee and the leaders of those members of the J6 cover-up committee by them putting under the rug that testimony by Ray Epps, that is a strong argument to be made for criminal referral misprision of treason, which includes everybody on that J6 cover-up committee, right? Yep. Not only Lizzie Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, but also Benny Thompson, Adam Bullshiff, Elaine Luria. I mean, the list goes on and on, right? All of them. And then also, obviously, there was a breach of the oath of office. Title V, United States Code 3331, which the libtard, radical, domestic terrorist, left, nut job, 20, 30-year-old, low-IQ, quote-unquote, reporters call some sort of a conspiracy, right? When somebody takes that oath, they, they they try to associate it with something. Meanwhile, it's straight out of Title 5 USC 3331. We need to educate them on that. So, that's pretty much it in terms of uh, the first component of Kevin McCarthy. But it doesn't end there. Here's kind of where it gets more interesting. Kevin McCarthy, along with the rest of the four meaning those the Fab Five, went ahead and essentially allowed Mike Pence 
to be the acting commander-in-chief or treat him as the acting commander-in-chief and president when he was not and did not have any authority, constitutional authority, to order General Milley to deploy the National Guard. The proper manner in which it was supposed to be done is the Speaker of the House requests the President slash Commander-in-Chief to go ahead and request support for protecting the Capitol, right? Meanwhile, she didn't do that. She delayed it. She, in fact, made sure that there was no coverage of the Capitol by creating that pipe bomb incident as a diversion down at the DNC and RNC so that the Capitol Police that didn't know that this was a entrapment facilitated unlawful entry spearheaded by Nancy Pelosi, they... U.S. Capitol Police Chief's son deployed half his force down there to investigate at the same time that Ray Epps was facilitating that breach. At the same time, Mike Pence said in his tweet that, oh, he doesn't have the unilateral ability to send back to the states or really do anything as it applies to the electors. And then three minutes later, he unilaterally, along with Nancy Pelosi and the oh, the other five, the, the rest of the five, block 90% of Congress from participating in that joint session. And so Nancy Pelosi had it totally wide open the Capitol, facilitating the breach with her beloved Ray Epps spearheading the outer breach, uh, coordinating probably with her son-in-law, Michael Pelosi Voss, and then her daughter, Alexandra Pelosi, on the inside was probably coordinating the efforts between her husband and uh, John Sullivan, who was the inner, I argue, was the inner breach team leader. So those are the things that need to, like, we need to get to the bottom of. And because Kevin McCarthy is complicit in everything as it relates to January 6th, he is not going to be the Speaker of the House that will actually get to the bottom of it and, you know, apply the screws to Nancy Pelosi as well as the sergeant at arms and everybody else in that ecosystem that I just mentioned, to include the mayor, the chief of police, Lila Morris, you know, Michael Byrd. I think you and your audience know, I don't need to rehash all those individuals, do I? No, no, they they know Lila Morris is the uh, officer that beat Roseanne Boylan to death. Michael Byrd is the uh, security officer that shot Ashley Babbitt. Um, Yeah, Michael Byrd was the one that murdered Ashley Babbitt, straight up stone-cold murderer, and then Lila Morris was the more brutal murderess uh, who murdered Roseanne Boylan. And we still have to investigate based on the 14,000 hours of tape and assessment and interviews who were the Capitol Police officers that threw grenades that resulted in two other uh, at a minimum manslaughter. Minimum. Benjamin Phillips and Kevin Greeson. Thank you. Benjamin Phillips and Kevin Greeson. And so those those are at a minimum manslaughter. And depending on their level of intent, if we can find it, uh, were they specifically uh, wanting to, you know, maim, harm and cause, uh, you know, death of an election integrity rally attendee that was, you know, attending peacefully. Uh, And then they may get a be found guilty of murder, whoever threw those grenades. And then lastly, obviously, uh, we need to get to the bottom of whether or not Brian Sitnik's death was due to the Pfizer natural cause of death 
or Moderna natural cause of death since he died of what? Wasn't it a stroke? Yeah, yeah, he had multiple strokes. And uh, from what we understand, Capitol Police neglected to give him the care that he needed. Yeah, and aren't strokes associated with blood clotting of the brain, right? Yeah, 100%. And aren't blood clots associated nowadays with the Pfizer or Moderna shot or the J&J shot? And then considering the J&J shot was not available at the time that he passed on January 7th, thus leaving the natural cause of death potentially uh, with the Pfizer variant or the Moderna variant, also known as the Moderna massacre or the Pfizer fail. I mean, wouldn't that be a, a, a rational hypothesis on his cause of death? Oh, yeah, 100 percent. And, um, you know, it, it's been an, a genocide that has been inflicted upon our country. So those are the things that need to be investigated. And considering Kevin McCarthy was beating his chest along with the other rhinos uh, promoting, right, making money off of these, uh, the big pharma products, EUAs, uh, you think he's going to be aggressive at going after this problem and investigating the actual cause of death of, of Brian Sicknick? I say no. I don't think so. All right, so then let's fast forward a little bit later in that day on January 6th when we had, oh, I don't know, like we talked about, we had Mike Pence ordering the DOD illegally under no authority whatsoever, and then General Milley receiving that unlawful order from a vice president that did not invoke the 25th Amendment Section 4 removal of the president to be able to become the temporary president to issue those orders. So... That's 25th Amendment violation. That's called, you know, when you, you activate the guard and you start to use force, well, that triggers a little thing known as a coup d'etat, and treason is usually associated with that. So that was why I say that Kevin McCarthy was complicit in that, because he was in, you know, as we're seeing the late videos and that were released by uh, Nancy Pelosi. I mean, all these guys were complicit in it. So that's why we can't have Kevin McCarthy. So I think that that finishes up phase one. Uh, was that pretty convincing that we can't have Kevin McCarthy? And if, if it wasn't, please ask questions. Maybe I can fill some gaps. Oh, no, ab absolutely. I'm, I'm following you 100% on this. And uh, I'm, I'm also reminded of the fact that, you know, the recent text came out of uh, Nancy Pelosi um, firsthand you know, trying to either stop, delay, or diminish the security at the Capitol, and then also the the, uh, the the denial of the National Guard, which which Trump had offered in, and so right, they were trying you know, they to were, entrap President Trump into actually deploying the National Guard without the request from Nancy Pelosi, so that he could then be charged for uh, a, a conducting a coup, which Mike Pence actually did. And so because President Trump did the only right constitutional thing that he could was to, you know, wait, assess the situation, find out. I mean, no one really contacted him to to no one that was in authority to contact him to let him know what the situation was, really let him give him a heads up, meaning the person that's in charge of the joint session is really it's on the it's on the House grounds. So the Speaker of the House is really the lead person and you could technically argue that mike pence was also i didn't see any indications of either one of them 
really uh, communicating with President Trump. And then I didn't see anything where Nancy Pelosi requested of the president, the commander in chief, support for the Capitol. So without that, he is under he has no legal constitutional authority to go ahead and deploy anything to support the Capitol. That's just our the nature of our separation of powers. Because you got to remember that the Capitol grounds is a separate entity jurisdiction within our federal government that is controlled by the House, uh, Speaker of the House, and then on the Senate side, the Senate Majority Leader slash uh, the Senate Pro Tempore. Uh, just to add to that, we've heard reports that Nancy was requesting Capitol Police and Metro Police to use lethal force against unarmed Americans that were just protesting the election integrity. Right. So that's, I mean, that's an, an indicate. I haven't seen that yet, if you can provide it to me. But that's an indication of uh, extrajudicial killings occurring uh, on American citizens, right? So consequences must be laid. If that's the case, then she's complicit in murder as well. Uh, so there you have it. Now, I think that's good on the McCarthy side. Now, so like the next question is, okay, does he have the votes? No, he doesn't. <laughs> I just got word from a pretty reputable source that la- as of last night, Kevin McCarthy has at most going into Tuesday at most for remember at most for the first round 230 vote or excuse me 213 votes and you need 218 so that's actually four more than uh i was expecting for the first round of voting so there's nine individuals that are pretty much going to not block kevin mccarthy from being the speaker and based on you know this substack series that i put together and luckily have the opportunity to as well as others, uh, we're communicating with members of Congress to convey to them, if you're going to be voting for Kevin McCarthy, I want to let you know that here's what's out about him in the public domain that you may not be aware of uh, in order to be hesitant and not vote for him. I'm pretty confident. I'm I'm like very confident that he's not going to be the Speaker of the House. And I'm surprised he's still trying to be a speaker of the house because he has now gotten to the point where on friday he's indicated that he's going to uh compromise on you know what the freedom caucus members are asking for but not quite yet but the problem is that there's five of them which is enough to block him that will are never kevin no matter what he compromises on because they don't trust him right most people don't trust him but these are the five that are publicly saying you're not getting my our vote no matter what, because you're going to just say whatever you want and then you're going to, you know, bend, you know, like a leaf and just float in whatever direction. And that's because he's he's compromised by Liz Cheney. She's the one that recorded conversations of him saying that uh, he was requesting Trump to President Trump to resign. She also had recordings of him. And this was on my last uh, 13 out of 13, where it talks about. It was Kevin McCarthy that indicated that he should censor members of the House that were advocating conservative ideas, essentially, that were a little too aggressive for the rhinos and the weaklings and the toxic, feckless, stone-cold cowards such as your Kevin McCarthy's and Mike Pence's of the world. So censoring, right? So what do you say about uh, 
Donald Trump coming out and endorsing, saying Kevin McCarthy that he is one of the best uh, choices because there could be worse. Including- I I didn't I didn't see that language. The language that I saw was it was the weakest endorsement of anybody that I've ever seen or heard President Trump endorsed. It sounded something like this in, in a Breitbart article with Matt Boyle a couple Fridays ago. President Trump says, uh, you need to give Kevin a shot. Okay? That's what was said. And then Wayne Allen Root the following Friday, which would have been not this one, but the week before, President Trump mentioned, uh, or Wayne Allen Root said, well, why are you supporting this guy, Mr. President? This guy stabbed you in the back all the time. He's going to stab you in the back again. And then President Trump responds with, yeah, yeah, of course. I know he stabs me in the back. If he does it again, we'll just have to fight back. So that's not really a massive endorsement, in my opinion. It's just a forced endorsement based on an ecosystem and constellation of people talking to President Trump that have not showcased to him what a liability and baggage this guy brings to the table. And so, and that's when I took it upon myself, really, to say, hey, here, here's this guy. And I, I feel as though with all the invites and, and podcasts that I've been on, luckily, you know, you got me on here tonight. That I think it's making making a dent in the in the national conversation because was it CanCon put out a a poll on Truth Social and again most people on Truth Social know that President Trump quote unquote did the endorsement of Kevin McCarthy I think the numbers were ninety seven or ninety eight percent of those poll did not want Kevin McCarthy to be the Speaker of the House and that's amongst the base that is very loyal and uh, has the finger on the pulse of what President Trump says in you know, almost real time. So it's very is telling. The, is that the same poll that uh, offered Jim Jordan as an alternative? No, no. This poll was a few days ago where it talked about, you know, who do you want to lead the Republican Party? It was option A, both McConnell and McCarthy. Option B was only McCarthy and not McConnell, right? And those four, uh, you know, neither... Or just McConnell and not McCarthy, technically. Okay. And the last one was neither. <laughs> so there you have it. I mean, there's no there's no support for this guy from the base. There's not enough support for him uh, to get to the 218. But he's still trying his hardest, trying to his best to basically try to win the speaker's gavel. And in an article earlier today by National File, I think it said it best. It was, is he throwing a Hail Mary, Kevin McCarthy, by negotiating down to having motion to vacate the chair with five members of the of the House? So is he doing a Hail Mary or a, or a Hail Nancy by keeping her rules? Basically, he's negotiating down to still a similar set of rules that Nancy's provided, which is not allowing for the motion to vacate the chair which it's actually the most important thing, even though it sounds very parliamentary. The most important thing that we need to go back to is what we had for 200 years before Nancy Pelosi came in, which was any member of the House could stand up and say, hey, Speaker, you actually didn't fulfill your promises. We're going to vote you out. Nancy Pelosi took that rule out in the 117th Congress. And so she became a little mini dictator, Article One branch of government. And that's why we're we saw the effects of what we saw over the last two years.
And Kevin McCarthy wants to keep those rules. All right, so let's transition. Now that everybody sees that it's not Kevin, like we're going to go from most conventional to, to most unconventional path on remedy and who it who it could be. I say that once Kevin sees that he doesn't have the votes, I think the conference is going to ask Steve Scalise if he wants it because he got 222 unanimous vote to be the majority leader. I'm not sure if he's going to take it. If he doesn't, then we're going to go to the next option, which is Jim Jordan. Obviously, Matt Gates has been pr- promoting him. Uh, but I think that Jim Jordan is best suited to be on chair of the judiciary to crush the commies over at the FBI and DOJ. He has the context. There are all the whistleblowers have reached out to him. His staffers already been working it hard. Uh, I think it'd do a disservice to our country by having him as Speaker of the House. Uh, simply because he won't be able to crush the commies over on Judiciary Committee. So then we go to the next one. I think Lee Zeldin might be in the running since he's not going to be avail- you know, he's he, uh, While he's not going to be a member of Congress, that's not really an issue. You don't have to be a member of Congress. And he's going to be okay with the Freedom Caucus guys and I think with the, with the mainstream Republicans. So Lee Zeldin's possible. But I think the better option... Best case scenario, if it's not President Trump, is to have Devin Nunes as the Speaker of the House so that Jim Jordan can drive on at Judiciary and Devin can go after the rest of the national security apparatus uh, going back all the way to 2016 with the illegal spying that Nunes already uncovered and then just criminal referrals, you know, top to bottom, every single deep state actor from back then till today to include all the, you know, the, the, not the spying, but the censorship the, the Wuhan flu, and at the end of the day, the Wuhan flu task force lead, the CCP-19 task force lead was Mike Pence. Mike Pence was the boss of Anthony Fauci and Deborah Burks. And then Jared Kushner was the shadow governor of that task force. Those two individuals need to be scrutinized. And I suspect that Mike Pence is gonna face some massive consequences for that, for destroying our economy, facilitating the biggest transfer of wealth to the big box stores, and online stores taken away from uh, you know small business owners, and then also being complicit in the in the slaughter, the, the genocide of suppose if if the numbers are right, of over a million people, followed by the genocide, uh, facilitated genocide by big pharma, due to the clot shots and the other EUA products. So he that, that he'd be in the best position to do that. I think Devin Nunes. And then also to go after big tech and the First Amendment component, since he'd just been, you know, for the last year, CEO of TMTG, you know, which includes Truth Social. But the ideal and most unconventional approach, which I'm advocating, is Speaker Trump. He's endorsed 150 of the 222 members of the Republican conference. And with all the Twitter files coming out, I think we we get to 68 out of the remaining 72 that he's not endorsed. Uh, I think we, it's it's incumbent on, on us, everybody here listening, to include me, to reach out to those members to convince them over the next 36 hours, basically, that it is, it is incumbent on them to allow President Trump to temporarily fill the speaker's role, take the gavel, to then do the following things. Nullify the first and second impeachments, criminalize all those involved in it, okay? Impeachment managers, 
the whistleblower, the attorneys for the whistleblower, right? All those individuals get after the truth of January 6th, you know, appointing the sergeant at arms, releasing the 14,000 hours of tape, and then just going after it with Nancy Pelosi and everything, everybody that I just mentioned. That's number two, getting to the true story of November 3rd, getting to the true story and helping, right? Uh, with all of that, the CCP 19, and then the First Amendment component. I think President Trump would be the best person to do that, to kick things off so that people see we're serious. He's unleveraged, uncompromised, uncompromising to go on complete law offense against the executive branch. And then we finish it off with uh, imp- probably several hundred impeachment articles against Jiden, the Chinese, I call him the Chinese Communist Party's ambassador to the U.S., squatting and defiling our White House. And then his little sidekick, the, the vice resident uh, over at the Naval Observatory by a name of Kamala or Mamala Harris. And then once those articles of impeachment are transmitted over to the Senate, that's when President Trump, now as Speaker of the House, in his last act as Speaker, would then recognize that the January 6th hearing, the joint session, was conducted unlawfully, a quorum was not uh, conducted, and they're going to just do a redo on January 20th, ideally, at the earliest, so that he can then be reinstated under that, under a real legitimate joint session, in the sense that, uh, you know, everyone will be participating, a quorum will be seated, and then that would be the remedy for a proper 12th Amendment process to take place where the objections can be heard of Georgia, Wisconsin, Arizona, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Nevada. And then that's when we can go ahead and kick those electoral votes out because of all the evidence that has been collected over the last couple of years. And those House members can object. As a reminder, right, there's 222 Republicans, 212 Democrats, one one of them's deceased so that's not going to they're not going to fill that seat until february 21st at the earliest and then on the other aspect is under the 12th amendment the, the house votes one state one vote in a contingent election so that would be 28 states that are republican and 22 that are democrat uh and thus essentially speaker trump would be presiding over his own reinstatement under the proper uh joint session being conducted and then the senate would then vote but then i argue all we need is 34 of the republicans in the senate to not even show up so that a vice president cannot be voted on and thus then the president now president trump would then appoint his vice president there you have it constitutional remedy well how about the fact that we are not holding a majority in the senate uh, currently with with the vote of how it happened this previous election. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. So when we go back, if I if I go back to the 12th Amendment, when we trigger the, the contingent election by denying, remember, you, you object to the electors and then you take the folks down from below 270 for the Senate quorum. A quorum for the purpose shall consist of two-thirds of the whole number of senators. So if 34 Republican senators do not show up for the joint session, then the vice president cannot be seated. 
they're basically blocking any conduct to occur of a vice president. But uh, bottom line is, I argue that you know, 34, do we have that number? I mean, it's going to be a stretch, but we're going to try. So we need 34 of the Republican senators to literally sit it out for the rest of the two-year term so that there is no quorum to be conducted. And thus, then, the president that was just reinstated by the House under those rules, one state, one vote, the Senate is not able to select a vice president. And so then, in the absence of that, the legal argument is that when there is no vice president, then the president appoints his vice president. Right, but they would have, what is it, 17 days from the appointing of uh, Speaker Trump until January 20th to perform an inauguration um, for for this to come out and to happen. They're, they're, yeah, I mean, it's it's a very aggressive plan, I get it, but... Yeah, there would definitely be some stalling tactics and things done by the opposing side. Um, well, one thing that they did was they passed this budget so that the incoming Speaker of the House, Trump, is not able to influence and defund and I should say not fund the DOJ, the FBI, and all the other components that are conducting all this lawless activity. DHS, right? Yeah. That's why Mitch McConnell voted to pass it so that the uniparty establishment insider class would buy another 10 months of time going into through September 30th of 2023. That's the only reason. Well, that'd be a, um, a beautiful and, I mean, poetically romantic scenario uh, to play out. And if it does, I mean, uh, the minds of Americans would be absolutely blown. It's, it's the only logical path to fix this situation. Yeah, but, and it would also fall constitutionally in the fact that, um, you know, a president can only serve for 10 years and have two. Uh, right, that, that's that's two why it's key. You get it, right? It has right, to be yeah, after so January 20th, so it doesn't constitute a full term. Yeah. So then he then, can continue to run for re-election in 2024. Yeah, and that, that would maximize the 10 years uh, yep. of service and then have his second time running in 2024. And then, right. And then once he's reinstated, then the next logical person to replace him would be that Devin Nunes to continue the aggressive, law-offensive assault on the lawless executive branch deep state. So from the Article One branch of government and then the president and vice president that can now do cleanup, you know, cleanup in now 23 for the rest of the uh, as as the executive branch well you and have, that's how we start cleaning house you have definitely tickled our brains uh i've been <laughs> you know if this does play out this way um i'm gonna buy you a steak dinner sir because that is you know it's it's an amazing plan and and just a beautiful scenario that we would love to see play out how um, about this rather than a steak uh, i request the following so should this play out, I would like to be the sergeant at arms if Cash Patel does not become the sergeant at arms. And then the first order of business is to bring on and hire all the J6 defendants that we pull back criminal referrals for to help investigate the real story of January 6th. So if you can help me come up with the list of vetted individuals to be able to do that, that would be great.
Yeah, that is uh, that is very possible, sir. I've had my um, ear to the ground and my fingers on the pulse of the J6 community from the very beginning. Um, since my arrest, you know, I have been as much of a voice for the voiceless as I possibly can and have become very closely, uh, I've become very, very intimate and close with many of the J6 defendants, their families. I know their stories, I've seen their videos, and I have, you know, dedicated just countless hours of, of going over the, the video evidence um, frame by frame for the last, well, coming up on two years on the, here in the sixth. And so, uh, yeah, we'll definitely keep in touch and on that, and um, I'll be more than happy to help in any way that I possibly can to get these men and women that have been in, illegally incarcerated and persecuted, prosecuted and discriminated against because they dared to stand up and say, we love our country and we wanna make sure one of the most fundamental values of election integrity is kept sacred. You know, they didn't burn down our nation like BLM and Antifa for the last seven months. No, I mean, the people that were there that conducted, uh, that participated in the election justice rally peacefully outside and in the side of the Capitol already knew the already saw the evidence and were critical thinkers and pretty much knew what Elon Musk just disclosed over the last month. Yep. Oh, That's yeah. it. We've that it now the true. rest of society, the rest of the lemmings of society are seeing it. You know, I've said for a long time that truth is the first casualty of war. Um, it's a quote from a a famous politician from back in the day, yeah. I'm drawing a blank at the name, but that is probably one of the most true and honest things that I could possibly say about the fight that we put forward. And like you say, going into the public sphere and getting that information out there because our voice makes a difference. And if we can keep truth alive and defeat the lies that are being shoved down our throats by the propaganda media, then we will still have a leg in this fight. So by all means, be more than happy to uh, to help out in those and in, in in those efforts and those endeavors, sir. All right, I appreciate you. Thanks for ha uh, allowing me with the platform. And uh, yeah, we're that's all I honored, got. More than honored to have you. There's nothing else you'd like to share before you uh, before we wrap this up. No, I mean if you're listening to this, uh, please send this or a shorter version. By basic, I mean, bottom line is, uh, let me say this. If you are a J6 defendant, go ahead and and let you know ha, contact you, and then go ahead and if you can send me their email so I can add them to get a full access subscription to my Substack, so you guys can see some of the things that might help with your situation because I've done quite a bit of research that might help you in your cause. And then last thing I'll say is make sure you notify over the next 36 hours that Kevin McCarthy cannot be the Speaker of the House. And that should be going to any member of the House that you know. You hear that, family? That is a call to action. Reach out to your representatives and let them know that we do not want another rhino in a seat of power, especially one as strong as the Speaker of the House, and that we need to put in those that are willing to stand up and fight for us and be representatives of we the people it is time to be the people folks let's get involved um 
just real quick before we do uh, wrap it up, Ivan, and I again, thank you very much for all of your time here. Uh, let my audience know where is it that they can find you and your social media? Oh, yeah. So my Substack is ivanraiklin.substack.com. So I V A was I-V-A-N-R-A-I-K-L-I-N. And I do most of my musings on Telegram. But I'm also on Truth and Getter uh, if you want to find me there. And then a little bit of Twitter, Ivan Raiklin. Just look, yeah, R-A-I-K-L-I-N, you'll find it. Watch the commies in 2023. Hey, fam, you want to help keep this podcast going and support this endeavor of being an obnoxious prick to those that want to enslave us? Then check out MammothNation.com and use the 30% discount code of FREEDOMJ6. MammothNation.com is a shopping market online that is a frontline competitor to Amazon. They do not help any of the companies that are pushing China into the forefront they stay away from leftist causes they vet all of the producers and um, merchants on their site for veteran owned companies and companies that are friendly to our patriot movement so go to mammothnation.com and snub your nose at amazon use the discount code of freedom j6 and get 30 percent off you can also get a sweet deal with makehoneygreatagain.com promo code freedom that way they know who sent you Get a one pound raw bottle that looks like Donald Trump, which is hilarious. And honey is just amazing. So promo code freedom, make honey great again.com. And if you're looking for merch, go to P2P printing. That's the letter P, the number two, the letter P printing.com and forward slash Pionon. You can get all the sing for freedom gear that your heart desires. And it is going to help make patriotism sexy again. P2Pprinting.com slash Pionon. You know, we're all about J6 here, helping out our January 6 inmates, defendants, their families, and they need to hear from you. So, we started the Sing for Freedom campaign a year and a half ago, and we sing the national anthem every single night at 9 p.m. to stand in solidarity with them. Because they sing the national anthem every single night from their cells, and when they get to the point in the song where it says that our flag is still there, they scream it from the top of their lungs because we, the people, are still here. Our voice is still here, and their patriotic love of nation is still there because our flag is still there. Even though it is this nation that is currently persecuting, prosecuting, and discriminating against them, they understand that their love of nation, the great experiment of the United States of America. Our republic is much greater than a single administration. Brandon ain't got nothing on we the people. So let's hear from you. In the description box, you're going to see a link where you can send in a voice message. Send me the national anthem. Send me some words of encouragement and love for those that have stood up for this nation. Show them the American exceptionalism that is within your heart because they need to know that they are not standing alone. Also, you can submit videos of you singing the anthem online and use the hashtag sing the number four freedom. And if you want to get involved, 
come check out our website because it is a central hub of where Patriots need to be to stand with our J6ers. And that is sing the number four freedom.us because we're not a company, we're not a dot org, we're Americans. And it's going to stay that way. Oh, say can you see by the dawn? Hey.